Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Hey everyone, we have launched the BODC Multifamily Impact Fund. Invest with a trusted operator with a track record of success. Our fund offers diversification, risk mitigation, tax benefits, and stringent acquisition criteria. If you'd like to learn more, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Andrew Westling returning. Andrew was on episode 90 and 125, where he shared his extensive knowledge on the lending environment. Andrew is someone I trust and work with. He's a director of capital markets at Walker and Dunlap based here in Los Angeles. Andrew is responsible for new loan originations and closings for multifamily and commercial properties nationwide. Throughout his career, Andrew has underwritten and closed more than $1.5 billion in debt and equity financing for properties across the country. Welcome, Andrew. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Well, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me back and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope it was nice and happy Thanksgiving to all you out there. And uh, if we don't chat before, then have a happy holiday and safe holiday season. Walker and Dunlop, we have a number of different verticals that we are in. As you noted, I run the capital market side of our business uh, based in Los Angeles. So we wear three different hats. We are one, a direct lender. Uh, two, we correspond for uh, about three dozen life insurance companies, placing their capital and servicing after the fact. And three, we are a broker of all other debt and equity for all asset classes nationwide for all commercial real estate projects. So that is for the acquisition of, renovation of, refinance of, and construction of commercial real estate projects in all 50 states. Nice. And having a good broker on your side when you're an operator is so important because there's so many different options out there. I mean, I think we underwrote on a current deal, 10, 15 different variations on different loans, trying to find the best one for this property. And and things change so fast in this environment. It's insane. You know, this is such a unique time in the capital markets. And really, it's because of the uncertainty that a lot of banks are facing today. For many years, when times were great and money was cheap, banks had the ability to even price deals at a loss because they had an existing relationship that was generating them revenue somewhere else with that borrower that whoever they were lending to. Now with the cost of money so high, the ability for them to recycle capital has become much more difficult. And so those bank relationships that had been winning deals and making life easy for all of us as both investors and borrowers, it's a much uh, harder task today. And so because of that, 
we now need to turn to alternative sources of capital that have always been there, but perhaps didn't have the pricing uh, aggressiveness that some of the banks had. And so a lot of folks that are picking up that lack of business that banks are no longer do- doing today are debt funds. They are life insurance companies that have uh, fixed allocated amounts of capital that they have to put out or that they want to put out into commercial real estate. And then private money and and other lenders that are sourced as either individuals or family offices uh, that are looking at the attractive yields of making loans today and are now getting into that space for the very first time. Let's talk, uh, you know, start with rates, because that, that's where everyone goes to. You know, 10-year treasury has fallen from about a high of 5% to 4.35% in the last 40 days. The stock market has ticked up about 10%. You know, things are headed in a more positive direction, but you still see, you know, a lot of investors very nervous. You know, why don't you talk about how this affects the the current lending environment? You know, (laughs) such a good question. And it's always the first thing that people bring up. And the advice that we're giving almost all of our clients say, I can't say all because every individual and every need is different. But if a deal pencils today, if a transaction works at the current environment, take it, lock the rate, get it done. The ability to wait and see is only hurting people in today's environment. And we've seen, especially go back uh, six months from now or six months uh, from today, watching that tenure just go up and up and up when people were saying, well, maybe it'll come down. We don't know if it will again. The US economy just in general right now is in a very interesting point. Inflation has been curtailed down to about three and a half percent. Now it's not at the 2% target, which means that uh, tight monetary policy will likely continue. However, despite that, there is job growth. There is very good consumer spending, although we'll hear on Thursday how it looks for the last uh, 30 days. And so really, I think everyone has been surprised that we haven't yet hit a recession. And so I think the common school of thought is that, well, we need to hit some sort of mild recession eventually. And so it's coming, right? And so because of that, again, people are uncertain. They're waiting on the sidelines. They say, well, maybe we'll wait and see. What we've seen from all of our clients is that if a deal pencils today at the rate, take it because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I think what we'll see is, you know, even on Thursday, when we get some of this economic data reported, you could see that 10-year rally. And we've seen swings 15, 20 basis points in a single day, right? And all of a sudden, a deal that penciled yesterday literally doesn't pencil the next day. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, this is our first deal in a year, and we've certainly made offers and underwritten a ton of deals. And, you know, we focused on, on a few really good deals that hit our criteria, that it worked with the rate. And, you know, when we go to sell in a few years, I mean, I think the consensus is rates are obviously coming down. There's still a few people out there that think rates are still going to go up or whatnot, but the data is good for things really picking up. And you can, as you, as I said earlier, you can see that in the last few weeks, as soon as, you know, the Fed didn't raise rates, all this money is getting reinvested and, and there's so much dry powder. We're going into an election year. The Fed has to refinance their debt. I mean, there's so many different factors that play into it that you would expect things to really pick up in the next six months, maybe three months, but definitely in six months to a year from now, things are really, a lot of transactions flowing. I agree. I mean, look, the Mortgage Bankers Association and Kroll Bond Rating Agency, they just came out. 
They think that loan originations, which is a sign that some acquisitions are happening, but of, of course, more refinances and recapitalizations are happening. But they think 2024 will see a 25% year-over-year increase. So there will be more activity. Although CBRE believes that there'll be another sort of 5% decline in acquisition transaction volume. So that's an interesting thought. I think most people are a little bit more bullish and like to see at least where we're at today, if not a little bit better. But you know, the, the other thing that's worth mentioning here is I don't, we've had 20 years of unheard of economic Fed policy, extremely loose, right? I mean, literally interest rates near zero, which I don't think we'll see again. Historically, there's a, about a 200 basis point spread between the 10 year and inflation. Okay. The 10 year US Treasury and inflation. So assuming the Fed can get inflation back down to 2%, a 200 basis point spread pegs a 10 year US Treasury at 4%. Today we're at 440. So we're not much above that. So, you know, so long as inflation gets in check and no other you know, black swan events happen to sort of cripple a sector of the economy or the global economy, that 4% treasury should feel pretty good. Cap rates should adjust to that. And then, of course, lenders add their spread on top of that. So if you have another 150 to 200 basis points of risk premium spread to the lender, that's an all-in coupon of 55 to 6%. Today, we're right about there. Right. So we've seen swings where that has gone up to 7%. Right. We haven't seen it go below five and a half, really, unless you use a rate buy down technique, which we can talk about. But, you know, that feels historically average. And typically, so long as there's not uncertainty, buyers and sellers will con- they'll find a meeting of the minds and cap rates will reflect that. Yeah. They're going to have to be deals that transact next year because of. Deals that are dealing with uh, debt service, their cap rates expired. They can't be sitting on the sidelines. They can't be waiting for this, you know, miracle to happen because it's not coming. Yeah, and you know, one thing that's been really surprising, and I think a lot of people were sort of hopeful because there's so much cash on the sidelines waiting to transact at a good basis, is they were hoping for more foreclosures. They were hoping for more givebacks. But what we've seen is sort of just the opposite. A, there's been a flurry of recapitalizations, right? Where new equity, fresh equity comes in to save a good performing property or product that just had non-performing debt, right? But the other thing is balance sheet lenders, but also CMBS lenders have been so far very kind to borrowers in that they're allowing for extensions past maturity. They're allowing for small principal reductions in exchange for longer terms. And so there hasn't been this, you know, come to Jesus moment, but instead it's been, uh, well, let's sort of delay it. And can you give us something and we'll give you a little bit more time. Now, like you said, that time eventually has to run out. And so people will have to transact. But I think we all thought that there would be more forced transactions than there actually have been. So let's talk about that dry powder. So What are your thoughts on investing in real estate versus other investments, specifically U.S. Treasuries and other safe in, in investments? Yeah. And it's such a great conversation because there's always the pros and the cons. And so for every individual investor, right? And as you know, you're out there raising from you know individuals and, and family offices and you have to qualify each individual. But when I look at real estate, it's still the pros so far outweigh the cons in, even as they compare to other asset classes. Now with U.S. Treasuries, extremely safe. They're liquid. 
it's a great sort of floor, right? You're never going to do better than what you're investing in, uh, but you also can't outpace inflation because you're fixed and you're tying up your money. So it's, it, well, it's liquid, you know, depending on the, the term of the bond or note that you're buying, you're in that investment for a long time. Plus there's actually is some volatility risk because as interest rates go up, the value of what you purchased goes down, which in real estate, you know, from what we've seen in many cycles, typically you have the opportunity for appreciation. You get cash flow during the hold. It may be illiquid, but there's still, a, depending on the asset class, a very liquid and eager market to get in. And on top of that, you have your tax savings and your benefits, which in today's environment, as I look at just as an individual investor in my cash holdings today, which include money market and some treasuries, we might be earning 5%, but ultimately with inflation at 3.5%, my net return is a, a point and a half, right? So I, I'm not really doing that great. Uh, not to mention that gets taxed, right? So after taxes, what is that? Uh, three quarters of a percent that I'm earning. So I need to be able to look at my portfolio and of course be balanced and have some cash and some stock and some bond and some real estate. But still to this day, real estate looks as one of the, if not the most attractive investment class for me as a personal investor. And I think a lot of our clients would agree with that. Agreed. So I, let's say I'm kind of new to the game. I'm looking to buy a property. You know, I want to go to a good loan broker to help me navigate the murky waters because there's so many different options and, and whatnot. What are the things that, that I should be that I need from a, a good loan broker? What do I need to communicate to them to help them figure out what the best loan is for my deal? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I always say, and one of the reasons why I love working for Walker and Dunlop and the platform that we have is that we're not just brokers, but we're principals. And so being the fact that we are a direct lender ourselves, we have our own in-house credit team. We can review a transaction and tell you if we are or aren't the best lender for it. But what that does is it just gives us an additional layer of perspective that I'm not sure that everyone else has. And so between that and the fact that we have data within our servicing portfolio of hundreds of billions of loans that we have and can look at mostly on multifamily specifically and look at operations in a specific submarket or within an, even a neighborhood where an asset might be, where you might be looking at buying an asset. It gives us just a layer of diligence that we can provide back to our clients that is unparalleled. But when you're looking at for, the, for specifically for your loan on a property, there's a number of different factors. Duration, how long is the business plan? How long do you intend to hold it? Prepayment flexibility. Is this a long-term generational hold that you're going to pass along to your kids? Or is this a two to four year hold where you're going to renovate, add value, and then flip and need to get out of it without hamstringing yourself on the back end? Recourse versus non-recourse. Do you have the ability to, or do you have the desire to sign a personal guarantee to back the property? And so as you look at those three, those are three major factors that we always talk about with our borrowers, because it's important for them, A, to understand the obligations that they're getting themselves into under the legal contract itself, but also the nuances between each and whether or not it makes sense to pay a premium for non-recourse, right? Or you can get maybe a better interest rate by signing a personal guarantee because you're giving the bank or your lender a little bit more collateral, a little more good warm and fuzziness that uh, you'll stand behind the deal if things do go wrong. And so walking through all of this upfront with a borrower is so important because as you said, 
every lender has typically one niche that they really are great at. And so you can't just go to one lender and do every single transaction with them. For some reason, they're not going to like one thing or another, or they can't lend in a certain state because they're not licensed, or they don't lend into industrial or retail or whatever it might be. And so for that fact, specifically in today's environment, you need someone that has relationships across the entire breadth of the capital markets. Anyone that can lend on you know, manufactured home community in Indianapolis to a strip retail center in Dodd County in Florida to you know everything in between. And that's where we come in. And that's the expertise and the value that we provide. In addition to being a direct lender, if we're not the best capital, we'll tell you and we'll, we'll also find the best capital for you. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, when we're looking at our, our different loans for our, our current property on the contract, we we're just turning all these different levers, you know, well, we don't want to have a, a huge prepayment penalty as we discussed. So can we buy it down? Maybe we look at some something short. And so there's, I mean, we must have, you know, spent hours and, and so many different ways to underwrite the deal to find that perfect lender for us. And, and I know countless days and hours that you guys worked on it as well just find it and and it was it doesn't you know it doesn't happen overnight it's as the markets were changing we're constantly kind of tweaking how we're looking at it and and, and figuring out and you know um, and, extremely and that's a great point too is that the market is always changing every lender is not static including ourselves right we have things that we like we have things that we find out that we don't like after maybe doing it a few times and so our appetites are changing, our investors' appetite are changing. And so lenders, as they're going, you know, three weeks ago, you may have just closed a deal with a lender. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're really not doing multifamily that was built before 1990, right? And all of a sudden it's because they have too much older product on their book and they're trying to only do newer or class B and above type properties, right? So they're always reviewing their book and looking at diversifying and, and how to protect themselves from downside and risk at the same time that we as borrowers, our investors are. And so finding that perfect match, you can think, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go right back to my relationship that I've established. And they'll come back and tell you, you know, I'm sorry, actually, we're full on that product type or some of our life companies, uh, they get geographically full. Right, they'll they'll do an, a bunch of business in California, and say, you know, we really need to diversify across the U.S. So we're looking at Texas and Florida, and North Carolina right now, but no California. And so part of its timing, part of its market, part of its um, you know a little bit of uh, magic and relationships, and uh, every like you said, every deal is a little bit like a little a puzzle that that requires someone to come in and solve. Um, and trying to do it yourself while you're raising equity, while you're putting everything together, doing all your due diligence, that can be a tall task to ask. And for you operators out there, really, really know your loan confidence. They're constantly changing. We keep a Google sheet on best practices, things we want to look out for, things that we need to keep track of because it's getting harder and harder to keep track and things are constantly changing. So really, really take the time to, to know your loan confidence. Anything else you want to add on the lending environment? I would say that, you know, it, we always talk about uh, ranking asset classes typically. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, where office is landing today and forever office seemed like a very safe and stable investment. And today, you know, it's very uncertain. And I think a lot of people sort of put that down here as we're looking at other asset classes of, of which we're financing. And by the way, we, we are still financing office. We've done a number of transactions this year, which is exciting and, and always fun, but we've seen really a resurgence and a renaissance in the retail space from retail strip centers 
and you know sort of power centers and and especially these entertainment theme centers where they have a number of restaurants and and amazon proof retail that you have to go and experience right so that's really become a really targeted asset class for a lot of investors multifamily still is probably 1a in our book we're very bullish on multifamily just nationally I think at this point, investors and borrowers should be a little bit wary in certain submarkets of oversupply, but on a national scale, there's still a deficit. So rental housing is of need, specifically affordable housing. This continues to be probably the biggest driver of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the, the largest lenders within the multifamily space of which we are one of the largest in the country, and making sure that they are financing affordable housing is mission it's what it's their mission and they are mission driven behind multifamily i'd rank 1b as industrial today it, it just continues it's cooled off with lease rates but the need and the demand for space across the country and especially in certain submarkets and markets continues to be white hot so i think that will have very long and favorable tailwinds so i'd say multifamily industrial probably retail, then hospitality. Hospitality has done very well over the last few years. You know, I'm staying in a hotel right now in downtown Boston. It is absolutely packed to the gills. So people are traveling. Um, but again, I think as people look at it, they're looking, you know, when does this cycle maybe wind down a little bit? When does consumer spending pull back a little bit? So I think people are being a little bit more hesitant, but well-performing destination hotels are great. And then actually on the flip side, you look at sort of convention center hotels that have struggled uh, because there's been less work type events, less corporate travel. Uh, so those have suffered a bit. And then of course, office, which is such an interesting conversation. We could have a whole podcast on it, you know, just, just on that itself. I'd say, look, are there issues? Yes, probably. And in certain markets, absolutely. Especially on the higher end, I think small office has outperformed. I think there's some uh, vacancy statistics out there that you can show that, you know, the smaller stuff, especially suburban is still doing quite well. But the question of does it reverberate through the rest of the asset classes, through the commercial real estate world and cause a crash? You know, my opinion is nothing is isolated, right? So the question is not will it, but how much will it? And to me, I don't see it being that big of a, um, an issue for the industry and for the economy overall. I do think that slowly will be return to work is happening across the country. But at the same time, I think if you look at the who is holding office loans, uh, most of them are balance sheet lenders. Most of them are trying to play ball and find solutions with their borrowers. And so I think ultimately, and the ones who have these loans, you know, the question becomes what's their exposure? What percent of their book is dedicated office loans versus others? And I don't think it's that big. Will we lose maybe a few more banks? Possibly. Will it be because of bad office loans? Probably not. It's probably more of a macro event. It may contribute to it. But as I look towards it, I think there's really actually some good opportunity in office in certain markets and certain submarkets based on the basis that we're seeing today. But you have to be strategic and you have to be a long-term holder. And I think you have to be going in eyes wide open that it's an expensive and, and you know hands-on asset class. And to, to add value, you need to be an expert operator. So that's how I would sort of rank asset classes in today's environment. But other than that, you know, our team continues to close loans. We're having another strong year. The volume was a little bit down for us as a firm, which we, uh, we just released our earnings report. And all of our competitors, I think, have suffered the same. But for the same time, for those who continue to transact, there is 
both debt and equity out there. It just takes maybe a little bit longer and a little bit larger magnifying glass to find and to find something that fits for the right project at the right time. Well, wow. That's a ton of information. Every time you come on, I always learn so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. Where can people find out more about you and connect? Yeah, absolutely. So our website, www.walkerdunlop.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Andrew Westling. Our team is based in Los Angeles. Feel free to reach out to myself or our team. We'd love to help, love to answer questions. We have tons of data. We love to share information and be a resource to everyone that is in the game, looking to get into the game, happy to be an asset to you. And and hopefully we can add value. Awesome. I guarantee uh, Andrew will add value. So uh, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.